I don't know if this was planned this way, but my lesson is a dovetail conclusion to Brother Rick's. Rick talked about speaking the truth in love and the importance of truth in our existence and in our lives. And I've been asked to speak about our Christian conversation. Now, if you looked this up, as I know many of you probably looked at the topics and studied these ahead of time on your own. No, probably not. But if you, if you looked this up, you found that the word conversation in the old King James is used multiple times. But the word conversation today has a different connotation than the word conversation in the old King James. Today, the, the idea of communication defines our speech, our communication with other people with words. Conversation is used in the old King James means much more than that. There's several Greek words or Greek strong numbers, Greek, Greek words. And these are the strong numbers for those that are translated conversation in the old King James. 390, 391, 4175, 4176, and 5178. You can come see me later if you want those and you miss them. That's the those are the Greek words out of the strong those are the Strong's numbers. By far the one that's used the most is number three ninety one. Strong's Greek number three ninety one. It's anast anastrophe, and it means manner of life, conduct, behavior, deportment. This has to do with how we interact with others. It does include our language, it does inc include our writing, but it also includes every other level of our interaction. Other versions have chosen to use a different word. The word most commonly used in the other versions instead of conversation is the word conduct. Having our conduct. And that's what I want to speak to you about today. I think that is what was intended by the title, Our Conduct. Rick spoke about speaking the truth in love, and now I want to talk to you about demonstrating the truth to the world, showing the truth to the world. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 22 tells us to abstain from every appearance of evil, every form of evil, depending on what version you're looking at. The Greek word for form or appearance there is Eidos, E-I-D-O-S. It's Greek number 1491, if you want to look it up. It's specifically referring to what is external or outward. The appearance. This does not address in any way what is in a person's heart or even what is going on. Now, those things are important, but this word is not speaking to that. This specific term is all about what is viewed from the outside looking in. Paul is telling us, us that in whatever we do, we should strive not to have even a hint of sin. Perhaps that's why in the preceding verse, to, to verse 22, verse 21, he tells us to test all things and hold to what is good. To test all things and hold in, to what is good. We are to judge ourselves and to make sure there is no confusion about between what we say and what we do. 
Paul told a young Timothy, or sorry, a young Titus in Titus chapter 2 and verse 8, that he should have sound speech that cannot be condemned. And he gives the reason that no, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. As we attempt to speak the truth in love, Rick is right. We are going to have enemies, enemies of the truth. No one should be able to hold anything against us based on what we say or what we write. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, Peter tells us, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they observe glorify God in the day of visitation. These things conflict with our soul. If we are saying one thing and behaving in another way, that causes conflict within us, causes conflict within our soul. What do others say about you? Now, to a certain degree, we shouldn't care. To a certain degree, it shouldn't bother us. But we have to evaluate when somebody says something about us against us. We have to evaluate. Is it true? Does it appear to be true? Do they see me as trying to live two different lives? We may disagree with them on a lot of things, but that doesn't mean they're wrong about everything. They may be seeing something that we are having trouble seeing even within ourselves. Paul continues this idea in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 3 when he reminds us, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. The sin that is in the world should have no part in our lives in any way, shape, or form. The world should not have any basis to accuse us of sin. Notice verses 5 through 7. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Do not be partakers with them. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, I want to, I want to turn there and read just a little bit. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and I want to read the first eight verses. Finally, therefore, brethren, we, ex, ex, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more just as you received from us, how you ought to walk and to please God. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this manner, 
because the Lord is an, the avenger of all such, as we also forewarned you and testify. For God did not call us to uncleanliness, but to holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his spirit. Abstain means to have nothing to do with. This is by choice. This is a decision that we make, a conscious decision that we have to make. Paul tells us we have to know how to possess our own vessel, our own body. Now, he is specifically speaking in that moment about sexual immorality, but we can extend that, I believe, to other aspects of our life. We are to have sanctification with our body. That means to be set apart, different. We're to have honor with our body, self-respect, dignity. Not, he says, not in passion of lust. That passion of lust is two Greek words, pathos, epithumia. And it specifically means passionate affection for something that is forbidden. We are not to use our bodies, our vessels, in the quest of something that is forbidden, just because we want that. In the process of doing that, it's possible for us to take advantage of our brother or our sister. And Paul tells us not to take advantage of a fellow Christian in this manner. Others are watching. Others are taking note. Our actions, our words, our appearance can have a destructive effect on somebody else's soul. Is our language close enough to cursing that it gives others, it causes others to think of the inappropriate word? Do our actions cause others to wonder if there is sin in our life? Does our appearance lead others to inappropriate thoughts or hints at sexual innuendo? We must think about how others perceive us. Not rationalize our decisions. We human beings are very good at that. We're very good at rationalizing something we know we shouldn't be partaking in, but we try to convince ourselves that it's okay. Romans chapter 12. Paul kind of gives a summation of this topic in two verses that we're all very familiar with. Romans chapter 12, starting with verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We are to be a living sacrifice. By definition, being a living sacrifice means that we have to give up things that we would like to do or would like to have in order to maintain a relationship with God. We are to be different from the world in every practical way. If we are giving things up, 
we will be different from the world around us that isn't willing to give those same things up. We cannot live our lives or present ourselves the same way that the world does. Just because the world has decided that something is okay does not change how God views it. If we are thought to be involved with any kind of sin, the world will notice. The presentation of our body should be an honor to God at all times. We should be holy and acceptable in the way we dress, in the way we speak, in the way we behave, in the thoughts and intents of our very being. God does not want us to be like the world. If the world's lifestyle, if the way the world presents itself is unacceptable to God, why would we choose to dress that way? Why would we choose to talk that way? Why would we choose to act that way? Why would we choose to think that way? If we already know that that is unacceptable to God. Someone may say, if I'm not sinning, what do I care what others think? Are you trying to blend in with the world? Are you trying to fit into the world? Are you trying to avoid standing out from the world? Are you trying to see how close you can get to sin without falling in? Saying things like, we're not actually having sex. I'm not really saying a bad word. I'm not getting that drunk. I'm not telling a big lie. If you have to say things like this, you may be closer than you think. The closer you are to the fire, the more likely you are that you're going to get burned. We should be different. First John chapter 2. First John chapter 2. I want to start reading in verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world or the, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it. But, the, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Do you love God or do you love the world? The answer to that question should guide all our actions, should guide the way we dress, should guide the way we talk, should guide the way we think. If our, if our actions or our speech or the way we're thinking or the way we dress, if that is looking and sounding like the world, Maybe our love for God is not all there. Those three components of sin, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Are you living in these? Are you living with these? Are you causing others to have to deal with these? Those are the things that Paul warned us about earlier. These things will pass away. 
All these things, the way we talk, the way we look, the way we act, and these things are going to pass away. Only the will and the righteousness of God will gain us an entrance into heaven. That will last forever. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 20. Just in case you didn't know, you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 23. Paul again says, you were bought at a price. Do not become the slaves of men. Jesus died so that we could be different. So that we didn't have to be slaves and bound to the things of this world. So that we could be separate and apart. So we could be different. Why would we go back again to the same bondage? When we have the freedom of being free from sin. In 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. I'm going to start reading in verse 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings experienced by, are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. God resists the proud. Rick talked about this in his lesson. Pride is at the root of much of these issues. I don't want to change the way I talk because I'm too proud to do it. I don't want to change the way I dress because I'm too proud to do it. Or I'm too proud of my language. Or I'm too proud of the way I look. God resists the proud. It is pride that causes us to test limits. It's pride that causes us to challenge the authority of God. And Satan is walking about like a lion. He's just looking. He's looking for the next person he can catch. Satan is the original tester of limits, the original challenger of God. That's how he started. He didn't like God's rules. He didn't like what God stood for. So he tested it and challenged it and suffered the consequences He lost the battle. And he's going to lose the war. If we're on his side and not on God's side, we also will lose the battle and we will lose the war. God's command to abstain from any form of sin is about the way the world perceives us, but is also about protecting ourselves. 
We have to be honest with ourselves and understand our own weaknesses. Satan is looking for any crack in our spiritual armor that he can use, that he can take advantage of. We must recognize those things that tempt us and flee from them. If our language tempts us, we have to pay special attention to it. If the way we dress tempts us, we have to be vigilant in that. If the way we act is an open invitation to Satan to come to us, we have to change that. We also must recognize those things that can cause sin or a sinful thought in others. We're not only to protect ourselves, we're to protect our brethren. Jesus said, if your eye or hand causes you to sin, remove it from your body. He was not advocating this literally. His point is that if we recognize something is a temptation for us or for someone else, we must remove it from our lives. We must change. We must do everything we can to avoid coming in contact with it, especially if it is a temptation to us, and lessen our chances of falling for Satan's traps. How can we be a light for God? If the world sees a reflection of themselves, even if the actual sin is not there, the world and maybe some of our brethren could find it difficult or even impossible to see past the appearance of evil. Proverbs 22 and 1, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches, loving favor, favor rather than silver and gold. Ecclesiastes 7.1, a good name is better than precious ointment. This, there are, the Bible is full of these proverbs, isn't it? Having a good reputation. That is what other people think about us. What other people think about you. Don't get me wrong. We can have no appearance of evil. And the world will still try to find fault. It will still happen. Jesus committed no sin. However, he was accused of gluttony, drunkenness, blasphemy, associating with sinners, and many, many other things. And there was no hint of sin in his life. So it is possible that we can be doing everything we should do And somebody could still try to find fault with us. Those that were honest during the time of Christ, those that were honest realized there was no basis for these accusations. Even Pilate said, I find no fault in this man. We may be accused of sin even if we have done nothing wrong. But we should live our lives in a way That those who are honest realize there is no basis for the accusation. Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24, starting with verse 36. Jesus here is talking about when he comes the second time. When he comes in judgment. When time is done, 
And all that's left is for us to find out whether we're getting the reward of heaven or the sentence of hell. That doesn't have to be when Jesus comes. It could be when we die. In verse 36, Jesus says, But of that hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as in the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. We will not know. We will not know when it will be. We're going to be having a conversation with somebody perhaps. We're going to have picked out the outfit that we were going to wear that day. We're going to decide on the place that we were going to go. That we were going to spend time. This is a decision. These are decisions we make every single day. And at some point, we're going to be, have, we're going to have made that decision. And either we're going to die or the Lord is going to come. If you don't want to be saying that when Jesus comes, then don't say it. If you don't want to be wearing that when Jesus comes, then don't wear it. If you don't want to be doing that when Jesus comes, then don't do it. If you don't want to be in that place when Jesus comes, then don't go. Because it very well may be that Jesus will come. We already know. He has told us. The only thing we can know for sure about His coming. Well, two things we can know for sure. One, it will happen. We can know that for sure. The other thing we can know for sure is going to be at a time when we least expect it. So we have to be ready all the time. Our Christian conversation, the manner in which we present ourselves to the world and to our brethren is important. It is of vital importance. We need to be speaking the truth in love. And we need to be presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable. In a group this large, there is no doubt that there are some sitting here that have been living their lives in a manner that is more in line with the world than it is with God. That is a dangerous position to be in. Because if the Lord would come now, are you in good standing? Is He okay with the way you talk? Does He approve of the way the things you choose to wear? Does He approve of the places that you choose to go? Does he approve of the things that you choose to do? If you need to make things right, if you need to give your life to him and submit to him, then the answer Peter says, and and the Lord Jesus says, and Paul says, the entire book of Acts says, 
A good portion of the book of Romans says is to repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of your sins. If you've already been baptized and you are having trouble shedding the world, putting it off so that you can put on Christ, we're told to ask for the help of the brethren, to seek their advice, to look for them, to see if they can help us. Pray for you. Pray for you. If you need anything in shedding the things of the world so that you can be that living sacrifice for God, having put on Christ and displaying that as your conduct to the world, we invite you to come forward as we stand and as we sing.